I want to um, just begin, today is kind of like setting a bunch of framework in place that we're going to leverage off for the next little while here at the Vineyard. On our Sunday morning teachings in regards to the area of the life of the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is in the church, we're going to tackle the issues of uh, all, all the surrounding stuff around who he is and how he functions and who he seeks to bring glory to and what he looks like in action when the was Jesus get together and also just in, in your individual journey with him. And so I want to this morning just kind of lay some foundational stuff and then we're going to build on it over the next little while. Um, so for many of us here um, have probably got some sort of historical background of church and understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have come from traditions where this might be your first church that you've been in and you've never had an understanding of what the person of the Holy Spirit and his gifts are about. So we want to sort of inform and empower you guys. Some of us have come from traditions where you could probably say we come from a more of a, a, um, a historical, conservative, evangelical part of the church, which basically means very Bible-heavy, Bible-orientated, Bible-centered, um, and... and um, not really any sort of engagement and interaction with who the person of the Holy Spirit is other than through reading the scriptures or engaging with the Bible, um, which is all good. Some of us come from that tradition. Some of us come from um, maybe the other end of the, 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 the spectrum of kingdom life and the body of Christ. And we come from probably perhaps what we might term as the Pentecostal wing of the church, and the Pentecostal wing of the church is very heavy on uh, the dynamic power and presence and gifts and experiences of the Holy Spirit. And so we here in the vineyard, uh, we love the best of those both ends. And uh, we want to walk in, in the, the tension of all of the, the middle road of all of that. And sometimes in seasons we'll swing more to kind of Bible teaching engagement and other times parts of seasons with what God's doing will swing out to what's happening with the Holy Spirit and what he's wanting to do and move in power in certain ways and at certain times at his initiative and we roll with that too but at all times in the vineyard we're, we're a kingdom people who want to um, walk in the radical middle as a phrase that was used to describe the vineyard movement by a church historian and uh, he called the vineyard this place, their quest for the radical middle. We want to walk loving the Bible. It's our, it's our direction. It's our encouragement. It's our um, plumb line for walking life. But we also want to walk in the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to move in power and gifts and um, all of who he is for the sake of the body of Christ and for the sake of the world. So we kind of, we want to sort of encompass all of that and, and here in the vineyard. And, um, but just to give you a bit of background on me, if you don't know me, um, I grew up as a child, I have some strong memories of going to a, a Methodist church as a little boy and sitting in um, cold, hard, up, back, upright wooden pews 
that were, didn't allow you to really become comfortable, <laughs> a bit like what we've got now. The concept of coffee during, a bit unlike what we've got now, but the concept of like a comfortable chair in, in that Methodist church was not really there. But I do remember that, and I do remember as a little boy that there was a lot of, um, in that Methodist church, focus on um, the, the, the preacher or the teacher or the pastor, and was, um, the pastor was also very much kind of an evangelist at the same time. So their teaching was always engaged about re- inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I also remember that um, as a child, it was, it was always kind of, the atmosphere was one at the time. This is, I'm talking about the early 70s here, 1970s. Uh, the atmosphere at the time was one of you need to, you need to figure out your relationship with Jesus Christ because the big question in that context was, where will you go when you die? That was the, that was the kind of the cut and thrust. Um, it was, there was a lot of focus on, on the preacher. There was a lot of focus on the elders of the church. Uh, there was a lot of focus on character development, um, being people of good standing and morality. Um, but to be honest, there, I, I have no recall of any moments as a child, anyway, of where they would ever invite and, and pray prayers like, come Holy Spirit, we welcome you just to come in this space right now and be, be the Lord. Uh, I have no memories of that because I don't think it happened. Um, but um, so there was that. And then as a as a younger boy, as I grew a bit more, and just, just prior to my teen years, um, we went to what was a um, Methodist church that became a, um, a uniting church in Sydney, in Western Sydney. And at, at that church, uh, I do remember going to Sunday school and big emphasis on Bible knowledge, big emphasis on Bible knowledge. No experiential, here's how to connect with the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's what his voice sounds like. This is what his presence, his manifest palpable presence feels like. Um, and so, you know, I, I grew up in the 70s. That, that, at that time, there, the whole idea of, of thinking outside the box of modernism or rational thinking was crazy. You just stayed with inside the box of of rational thinking, and it was a very safe place in many ways. Um, but that was kind of my experience as a child, and, um, and so the whole teaching or the area of spiritual gifts as a child, for me, was one where I, have, I never heard it. I never heard of it. I never heard about it. I never saw it. I never, other than through the, the teaching of the Bible, that as the Holy Spirit spoke to people and drew them to Jesus, which is legit and right and fair, but that was the only representation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that I, that I saw as a child. Um, you, you may be surprised to know that, you know, in our children's ministry here at the Vineyard, one of the things that we do every single week, as best as I, I'm, I'm told... Every single week, we take time with the children to have them actually sit in a quiet space in the room, close their eyes, and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and bring a revelation of Jesus to them. 
And we teach them to have a language of understanding what it's like when God is speaking to them. And so with, with words and pictures and sensations, physical sensations of the Holy Spirit moving and touching and, and opening up the eyes of their heart to know God. And um, some of the feedback that, that, that they bring into the mix uh, from those moments, we call them little activation sessions, um, is incredible. And quite, quite easily and gently and freely, the kids will say, oh, I saw Jesus uh, doing this, thus, and so, and he wants to bless this person in the room, or I had a sense of Jesus touching this part of my body, and so maybe there's people here that need that part of their body helped. Um, and, and the kids are just learning to engage in relationship with the very real, powerful, manifest presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want for our kids. They also do their, you know, their Bible lessons each week. They're actually journeying through the whole Bible this year um, and um, you know, engaging with the Scriptures. And it's just wonderful to watch. Um, now, just a bit, a bit more of my story. Um, so here I am now. I'm, I'm in my late teens. I've met Jesus. The person of the Holy Spirit to me is very real. A, because I, saw, I had seen him ministering through people to other people. Now, it, was, it wasn't like I was seeing the Holy Spirit ministering through a lot of people. It was still kind of like, you know, in the church context, it was still kind of like the few, not the many. And at least it wasn't just the reverend or the preacher. It was, it was kind of the preacher and a few. And so there was this expansion sort of starting to take place in my understanding and experience, as well as, I think, generally across the body of Christ. But in the, in the late 80s, in the early 90s, one of the things that the Lord used our movement, the Vineyard Movement for, was to actually um, take the ministry of Jesus from being all about the professional preacher or teacher or pastor and equip the body of Christ to do what Jesus does, to engage with the Spirit and move in authorized power. And I can remember um, in 1990, I was at a conference in Sydney at the Horden Pavilion, so I'm 20 at this point. Wimble was there. Some, some of you may remember the author, John White. He was there, and there was many, many other sort of names there, but there was like, it was massive. It was 5,000 people there, and they represented every type, flavor, and part of the body of Christ in Australia that you can name or think of. They were there. Because the church, the whole body of Christ, there's a big ache in the, in, the, in the church saying, hey, what are we actually meant to be doing? Other than for years we've been sitting on the bleachers or the sidelines watching the professionals do this thing called the kingdom of God. And the, one of the things that the Lord has used the vineyard over the years to is to continue to push the ministry of Jesus into the hands of the people of Jesus. And so we continue to create opportunities, safe opportunities for people to learn and to risk following the Holy Spirit and moving in his power and presence. And we'll put some more words to that soon. But as I was watching this, 
I was there at this conference of 5,000 people watching and I was seeing the Holy Spirit move very powerfully. And I began to see him move very powerfully, not just um, through people around me, but actually through me. So that as I would put my hands to people and ask for and join in with what God was doing in the moment, uh, because I was being given permission to do that, I, I saw God move with great power. I saw my first few physical healings, and they were rather dramatic. They, they weren't just like, oh, that's, well, you know, we, t- we tend to scale things up and down in terms of like, uh, things we shouldn't do that, but it wasn't it wasn't a headache that I was. I, I prayed for this person with a group of other people. We were all praying for this person who had been born with a back that was bent over and in scoliosis and a big sort of lump on the shoulder. And over the course of sort of forty minutes of praying with this person, that lump completely, that deformity completely, um, it was like it disappeared into the back, and then the back straightened up and you now I say straightened up but the sound of it was disgusting it was just terrible that this physical body was under the pressure of the power of God taking a hold of it and breaking into this woman's life and completely reconfiguring the structure of this woman's body it was I was oh my god you're real that was my response and my theological frameworks and my history of understanding God at that point all of a sudden took a great shaking and a great a great shaking that God was starting to come on I'm bigger than this and you need to know who I am and so from that point on I just started to go well look these guys from the vineyard they're telling everyone you can do this everyone gets to do this because the role of of, of kingdom leaders is to, Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 4 tells us, is to equip the saints, to equip the body of Jesus to do the works of God, of service in the kingdom. And so the, the job of, of, of the professional pastor or preacher or whoever is not to actually be empowered to do it in front of everyone so everyone can go, oh, wow, yeah, cool. But the job of the professional pastor is to empower, equip, and release the body of Christ to do the works of Jesus. That's why we always have those very uncomfortable moments here in the vineyard where, where the talking stops and we go, Holy Spirit, come. And that's, it's at those moments where we all begin to, am I going to engage with God in this moment or not? And that, I, I, I love that environment that we have here at the Vineyard. But I remember after that moment in Sydney, um, the whole church in this country, in Australia, was being awakened to the reality of its true identity, of who she really is as the church. The body of Christ was coming alive. People were being um, activated and engaged in doing the works of Jesus. It was massive. And the biggest result of all of that over the last number of years has been the massive increase of church planting of, of Pentecostal churches over the last 20 years in, a, in our country. It's massive. There was a great... Uh, I can't use those words, great awakening. But there was, 
there was a sense of people were coming alive in the Holy Spirit and coming off the benches and getting engaged in why Jesus has saved them, which is to join him in extending his kingdom in the earth. Just us here at the vineyard. Um, we have right across the body of Christ, we have many invitations and much relationship with many people across the body of Christ. Uh, invite to it. Have a go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay. Thanks. To have a go at this thing called moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, we here at Vineyard Pine Rivers, we're a church that always wants to make room for these kind of moments where we can learn to grow in our relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit and learn to grow in his giftings upon our life together and individually. Now, so... So let me just quickly fast forward to sort of the mid-90s for you right now. Nicole and I, we're pastoring in North, North Queensland. And at this time, Nicole has a very powerful personal experience of the Holy Spirit at a, at a, very, at a small little vineyard conference that snuck into town for a day and out again. And at that, after that moment, Nicole and I, we just decided we were going to do this thing called inviting God to be real and move in power at a, wherever we were, both in small groups uh, during the week and uh, at youth group that we were facilitating, at churches, services that we were leading, and with our, the young adults at, um, at the church we were leading. And it was crazy. All of a sudden people came alive and they, they would like um, get hungry for God. They'd get hungry for the Bible. They'd get hungry for lost people to know Jesus. And we were just, and then they started to like things like we hadn't seen before. People, we'd start praying for people. Well, when I say we, I mean everyone was always engaged, having a go. We're just saying, come on, everyone, get in on this. And all of a sudden, you know, groups of people would be praying for people. And then all of a sudden, some of them would just start speaking in tongues. It's like, this is great. Some of them would fall under the power of the Holy Spirit and go into like these um, moments with God where they just like check out for a while. It's like, and they'd come back too and it's like, what happened? And they'd tell you these great encounters of God communicating with them and touching their lives and changing. People started to get physically healed. It was just this great acceleration of things of the Spirit. And as we kind of pushed into that, we realized that maybe we needed to pursue this more. And so... Um, Nicole and I, we, we packed up our bags, we finished up our, our placement there and off we went and explored this thing called the kingdom of God in the vineyard. Now, uh, so we went from check, seeing it, we went from seeing it happen through others to seeing this work of the Spirit happening through ourselves, but we still didn't have a really solid language for the whole thing. It's like we needed something that was biblical and we needed to have somehow have words to be able to convey and give away everything that we were experiencing. So we went to the U.S. and we spent time in the vineyard over there. And we came back home, and I, I can remember this one encounter that we uh, that we experienced, and it was one of those ones where it just really sealed the deal. 
um, for me. And, and it was, uh, we were at this meeting, a bit like this, and um, there was a time of waiting on the Holy Spirit. And, and I just said, you know, I think there's, some, there's someone here that has like arthritis in their, their pinky finger. I mean, that's a really big thing, isn't it? Like big, bold word. It's like someone's got like arthritic pain in their little finger on their right hand. And um, at this time, I'm kind of learning to risk going with what I had learned was the Holy Spirit speaking to me through the gift of words of knowledge. I'll put some more detail to that in weeks to come. But as this little pinky of mine was hurting, and I put this out there, this lady, this um, elderly lady put up a hand, and then she came down to the, where I was over at the side, and she came down and, uh, in response to that, uh, that word from the Lord. And so I said to her, what's that all about? What's the pinky all about? And she said, I have, I have arthritis in, in my pinky because my husband, who had, I can't think of the condition, um, but he couldn't dress himself properly. And so every day for the last umpteen years, she had to put her little pinky in the, the hook on his trousers and lift, lift his trousers up to help him get dressed every day. And over time, that had developed arthritis. And as she's telling me this, tears are starting to roll down her face. And I'm starting to get this kind of conversation happening with the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't think her husband is still here anymore. And then she says to me, and my husband passed away a few months ago. And then the Lord just said to me, Kirk, she needs to know her husband is in my presence. And so I just said, look, I think God just wants you to know as I'm standing here and he's telling me, you need to know that your husband is in his presence now and it's okay. And at that, she just, it was, it was just like she kind of emotionally, physically, in every other way, she, she just became undone. It was like great relief to her to know that her husband was with Jesus. And it must have, it, so it was obviously something that was playing out in her. It was like she didn't know if her husband was with Jesus. And so this was, for me, these sort of little moments were like, okay, I, I'm going to really pursue this. And so over the next little while in our, in our gatherings, we want to, um, even here at, at the vineyard, over the next little while, we want to explore these gifts of the Spirit, how they operate with each of us as the followers of Jesus. And we want some operational experiences as well so that people aren't just like, it's not just theory, but it's actual um, hands-on, here we go, let's have a go at this. And it's really important because if you want to be a part of this place and you want to hang around here long enough, you'll discover that God's called us here at the Vineyard to be a people who equip the follower of Jesus to do the works of Jesus. And so you'll be given opportunity to do that. Okay? I want to read to you. Now, there's a reason why we're doing this. Um, it's because this year the Lord has told us as part of what he wants to do with us as a local church is to um, firstly awaken an understanding of gathered corporate identity of who the church is as the people of the kingdom. And as a part of that, again, is to celebrate the gifts of the Spirit at work among us and through us. And so that's why we're going to check into this area for a little while. Let me just read a few key scriptures to you. If you have your Bible, 
uh, you're welcome to use that. If not, um, uh, feel free to... Jake, could I get you to flick to the next one for me? Ephesians 4.11. I'm just having... It's up there? Thank you. I'm just... My thing keeps freezing here. So Ephesians chapter 4, 11 reads, It was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service. Did you know that when you signed up? <laughs> God has it in mind that we're going to be busy serving him. All right? Um, so that the body of Christ, that is the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and have become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. Here Paul's, as he's writing to the Ephesians church, he's, he's letting the, the, the church know, yeah, God sends some peculiar people to the body, equipped in a peculiar way, but the, it's not about the apostles, it's not about the prophets, it's not about the teachers, the evangelists, and the pastors. It's about them doing their job so that, so that the body can be built up in service to God. People read, often read that and they get, they get to the bit and they, you know, it's, they want to read it and make it all about being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist. And I'll talk into that shortly. But that's not the goal. The goal here is that the body of Christ in the earth would step into her true identity, function in her true authority and power in Jesus Christ, and be his kingdom people in the earth, even as it is in the heavens. This is the goal. Let's jump to uh, the next one, Jake, Romans 12. Back one up. I'll get you to back up one for me. There we go. Romans 12 reads this, verse 3. Uh, this is again Paul writing, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Have you? That's a cool word, that, sober judgment. Imagine what it would be like to think about yourself in an inebriated judgment. Have you ever seen, you know, seen or yourself being a little inebriated and the stories always seem a little bigger than they really are or a little grander than it really was or the your capacities are bigger than they truly are it's because you're inebriated well Paul says don't think about yourself like that just keep it real it's a sober judgment and sober says when you look in the mirror you see yourself exactly as you truly are and that's the best way to look at yourself if you're going to move in the power of the Spirit. Don't blow yourself up with ego and all that sort of stuff. No, just keep it real. God wants you to be you under the power of His Spirit. Okay? You got that? It's really important. And even though you might look in the mirror at yourself and you think, well, I, I don't think I'm that much or I look that great. God's no respecter of that. He loves you regardless of how you perceive yourself. And he thinks you are the best person filled with his spirit to give glory to his son in the life that you live. There's no one better for that. However you thought about yourself when you looked in the mirror this morning. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself 
than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each one, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. All right, now, just take a look across the room. Scan the room a little bit, turn your head around, stretch the neck. Look at all these people around you. It's like you, now, some of them in the room, you might be looking across at each other and going, yeah, I'm kind of warm and friendly over here, but over here I'm a little, oh, I don't know. And Well, Paul says all of us belong to each other, not just the ones we like. <laughs> everyone, everyone belongs to each other. You know how when you get to the, some, some of you may have that experience of going to family reunions. It's like, yeah, this, and that part of the family sits in that corner of the room and that part of the family sits in that corner of the room because that long ago, uncle so-and-so had an un- argument with uncle so-and-so and forever since. It's like, and it's like, you know, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter what corner you want to put yourself in. Paul's saying that as the church, it, you're in the room. You're in the room. Even if you want to put yourself in a corner, the news is you're in the room and therefore we all belong to each other. That's a pretty wild concept. It's a pretty powerful kingdom truth and reality to live in, especially because we grow up in a context and a culture where we want to make it all about me, I and me. And this is mine. And I'm for me. <laughs> we live in that every day and we're being told and sold that every day. This is kingdom life here. Not worldly wisdom that we're, we're walking in. We're walking in kingdom life. And kingdom life means we're all for each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And if, it, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging... Let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him do so generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. There's this nuanced sense. If you can hear Paul as he's writing, it's like, yes, there's this work of God's Spirit in the body of Christ, and he graces people in peculiar ways at peculiar times with different intensities and measures to be able to, in that right, right and proper moment, give witness to the goodness of God. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes we, we kind of look at those things and we go, oh, yeah, I, 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 I want to do this but not that. <laughs> well, we're going to read in the next scripture, if we can go to 1 Corinthians 12, 4, uh, on the screen there. Um, the next scripture tells us that actually... Um, God has something to do with all of this. It's not about what we pick or what we want to do here. This is about living underneath the generosity of the dynamic of the Holy Spirit as he moves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 reads, There are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
Now that word manifestation there, if you kind of unpack it a little more, it, it kind of, it, it, it literally means like, um, like the dancing um, presence of God as it sort of moves into a room and he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on Bruce right now and he's, and he's going to prophesy and poof. You know, and then he's like moving through the room and he's like, oh, look out, I'm just going to land on Liv and she's just going to start speaking in tongues. And, it, and it's like, ooh, and the Holy Spirit's kind of just dancing through the room. And he lands on Tim and Tim goes, I know what she just said in tongues. And God, and, and he starts to give understanding as to what was being spoken in this different tongue over here, this spiritual language. There's this, there's this dynamic sense of the Spirit manifesting as he chooses as he's moving through the room and so um, there is a sense in which um, we're all fair game to God did you know that we're all fair game Um, now to one there is given the spirit of message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation tongue of tongues and all of these are the, now all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit and here we go and he gives them to each one just as he determines now we tend to read that in the sense of like in a very static um, isolated way we kind of read it like oh yeah I've been given this gift but that's not how Paul's writing it here he's writing it in a more dynamic sense he's writing it with a sense of uh, yes yes you did but look that God's moving and he's 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 touching people with his spirit and and gifts are being released as he's determining as the body of Christ is coming together so that the body might be built up and join Jesus in his mission to save the world. So every time you come in and gather with the body, be it here on a Sunday or in kinship groups during the week or, or, or even where two or three are having a cup of coffee wherever during the course of a week, God's dancing presence, the Holy Spirit, is ready to grace people, to build people up in their confidences in the in the in the life and ministry of Jesus in such a way as to save the people in their context this is really good stuff I, I love it but it's also risky uh, let's jump into the next one 1 Corinthians 12 14 thanks thanks Jake uh, reads this now the body is not made up of one part but many if the foot should say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body it would f- not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. Now, my question is, I didn't know that feet could speak, but apparently they can. Anyway, let's leave Kirk's quirkiness aside. Um, And if the ear could say, again, did you know ears could talk? (laughs) Anyway, um, the ear could say, because I'm not an eye... I do, not, uh, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. In other words, I like what Paul's saying here. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Different parts of the body of Christ are going to put up protest to say, I'm not doing what they're doing. But you know what? God says that still doesn't stop you from being a part of his body. Isn't that great? Isn't that very gracious of God? that he overlooks our 
I don't want to be a foot. I want to be an ear. Or I don't want to be an ear. I want to be an eye. He, he, he overlooks that because what Paul is dealing with here is a sense of disqualification. People are disqualifying themselves and Paul's addressing that and saying, doesn't matter how disqualified you, you're making yourself by complaining that you're this and not that. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're not a part of the body. God still wants you in this. He loves you and you're a very important part of it because you belong to the people around you. Um, or if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Here we go, highlight. But in fact, God's arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. So God's got something to say and do in all of this. He actually has this um, overarching say about the gifts that he graces your life with, when and where and how that's going to play out. And um, so relationship is really important here. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Now, jumping down to verse 27, it reads, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Um, Just a quick next slide, thanks, Jake. Um, just, you know, on a quick reading of these scriptures, we see that the spiritual gifts, the person of the Holy Spirit, um, is, is actively at work in the body of Christ to build the church up so that the people of Jesus can build each other up as they continue to um, participate with Jesus in touching the world with his love and bringing his kingdom. As the body of Christ, the church, we belong to each other. We're called into the kingdom to live a life together. It is about you, but it's not about you to the exclusion of me. And it's not about you to the exclusion of me to the exclusion of us. This is the, this is the way that the kingdom of God manifests best. You see, it's an overflow of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each honouring and esteeming and valuing the contribution that each member of the Godhead brings. And so his people in the earth live in the overflow of who God is. That we're meant to be like this. You know how you go to the movies and before the movies, there's the preview? Or they usually have like four or five previews. And, and well, that's what we're meant to be. We are meant to be the preview community of heaven on earth. And when you stop about it, and you think about that, it's like, whoa, hang on, God. We're the, we're the ones who are the preview to what is coming as the people of Jesus. The Spirit's gifts are given for the common good, not the personal edification and ego, but for the common good. The focus and the function isn't necessarily you or me, yet the focus and the function comes through you and me. The focus is God at work through us for the greater good. I mean, this is really put this. We weren't born into this, and that's why it's a leap to get to live in it. 
Okay, we weren't born into this in the natural sense, but by the Holy Spirit, we've been born again and into it. It is a leap into living the kingdom life. There's a dynamic sense of that God will gift us as He wants, not so much our choosing or even the parameters by which we understand our personality. We're very quick to want to say, oh, well, I'm not extroverted, I'm introverted. Or if I'm not introverted, I'm extroverted. I can't operate in that. So therefore, we want to put up all of these personality traits to limit the dynamic power of the person of the Holy Spirit. No. God will just come washing through that and he'll use you anyway. He will use you anyway. Um, And this is who we are in which I find my place and purpose as an active member of the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ and each one is a part of it. All right, now I'm just kind of, hopefully I've painted a really big picture this morning and given you some framework for what we're going to explore over the next little while. But before we go, if you could just um, go to that next slide um, for me, uh, Jake, Spiritual Gifts at the Vineyard. Um, a lot of people are like, well, where does that all fit in the whole landscape of who we are and what's important to us? Well, th- see, th- those, those 10 points up there are in our DNA. If you took some of our, our blood and put it under a microscope and they go, what's the DNA of the vineyard? That's it in words, okay? That's our DNA. And you'll notice there in yellow, the encouragement and the exercising of spiritual gifts is a, is a part of the DNA, It's not the entire DNA, but it's a very important part of our DNA. And that's why we want to function well in it and grow in the things of the Holy Spirit. So all of those things is who we are and what we do. Okay, so that's where it kind of fits. Um, You know, for those of you who may play golf, I don't know if there's any golfers in the room. But, you know, when you play golf and you have got a whole series of different lengths of fairways and different types of shots that you have to make, you know, like off the tee at the start, you use the big, the big dog, the big driver, whack, and that thing will take it, you know, if you're good, a couple of hundred metres right down the middle of the fairway. If you're very ordinary, oh, it's been too long since I've hit one, but they'll like that. But the big dog, the number one, it'll drive it down there. But when you get that thing, that little white ball, two metres away from the, the hole, You do not want to be using the big dog to put it in the hole. They have another club. It's called the putter. And the putter is nuanced and built to be able to just encourage that little white ball into the hole a few metres away. Just little. It's it's designed for that. And and same with um, who we are. Spiritual gifts are a very important club in the context of the big bag of who we are. Does that, does that kind of help? It's like, so we want to be active in the things of the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Um, we, might, we, might, uh, we might stop there, I think. And, um, and then we'll just invite the Holy Spirit. Oh, look, um, I haven't written this down, but um, these are some of the, over the next little while, some of the myths that I want to kind of um, break down. Things like, Is it only the ordained preachers or the super saints who have miraculous spiritual gifts? Is uh, when you were saved, 
Did you get all the gifts you will ever get in that moment when the person of the Holy Spirit came and took up residency in you? Um, weren't, weren't miraculous gifts only given to authenticate the early disciples in the early church and since then it's been ceased because we have the Bible now? There, there's, there's a whole bunch of thinking in there that I want to deconstruct. Um, and then if people abuse spiritual gifts, should they cease using spiritual gifts? If they become abusive in them, should they cease using them? I'll, I'll address that one. If you have ever used a spiritual gift, you will always use that spiritual gift. These are some of the things I want to sort of, um, over the next little while, unpack. Now, um, one of the things, if you're learning to or you want to grow in um, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's two great places, that I, well, three great places that I recommend you engage in. One is kinship group during the course of a week. In a small group environment, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot more safe. They're in the sense of like, oh, it's only a few of us in the room. So the, you know, the embarrassment factor is lower than in a big setting. Um, the second setting is um, um, uh, like here on a Sunday. And I, I forgot my third setting. I had three of them. Oh, that was it. First setting. <laughs> First setting is kinship group. Second setting, gathering on Sunday. Third setting is as in in the little room down downstairs here, just about behind those refrigerators. On a Sunday morning at eight thirty, people get together in there and they say, "Hey, God, what's on your heart for this morning?" With words of knowledge. Come and engage with that. Come and learn. Come and come and learn to explore how to hear the voice of God. And then what those, those guys do and the girls do is they, they scribe down what they think the Holy Spirit's saying. And then we get together and we go, all right, well, let's just put it out there. Let's see if they're, they're hearing the Lord and in part or in full, and let's just go with what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. So let me, let me say, uh, let, me, let me just read these out this morning and then we'll um and then we'll pray into these